Everybody ready for some more turkey? Right? Yeah. I was thinking of bringing some bread and just making leftover sandwiches. Like, you know, those are the best. That's that's what I look forward to every Thanksgiving. It's the leftovers. You know, and make make different things out of them. But everyone have a great Thanksgiving. I guess Bryce already asked that, right? Everyone, yeah, right. No, no horrible arguments between aunts and uncles or anything, right? Politics galore stuff. Yeah, I think I brought some of those up this time. I was like, yeah, why not? You know, just throw it in there, see what happens. <laughs> bad uncle. Yeah, I'm the bad uncle. Yeah, that's that's me. Huh? <laughs> I'm back in my day. No. <laughs> But uh, it was a it was a great Thanksgiving. It's a great time to just be with family, you know, to gather around a time and and feast, and then to give thanks and then to go find those Black Friday deals, especially when you're in Denver. It's like why not, you know? It was fun. It wasn't that bad though. Walgreens was horrible. <laughs> the parking lot was completely full and there was nobody inside. I'm like, where are all of these people? They're I don't know. It was weird. So. They just parked across the street and walked to Arby's, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, it's a it's a great time to to gather here today as well and to give thanks to the Lord, you know, to the one that has given us life. You know, he has he has formed us and framed us. He has formed and framed all of creation, and he offers us salvation through his Son Jesus, the Messiah. You know, for. Uh, last couple of weeks we've been studying the book of Habakkuk and we have we have seen uh, the prophets cry uh, he's uh, he's really worried about his circumstances around him well the the Lord showed him you know what what is to come that the Chaldeans would rise up and take over the ancient Near East including Jerusalem and Judea well the the prophet had some some praise about that some pondering some really good questions well now uh, he's waiting, right? He waits upon what the Lord will say next. Well, the Lord proclaims this next. And we get to uh, see this uh, in the book of Habakkuk today, that the word of the Lord is true. Uh, Isaiah writes this in his book. He says, The grass withers, the, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. And that's Isaiah 48, 40 verse 8. Yeah, the world passes, Right? You know, we, we get to enjoy seasons out here in the eastern plains. Um, and we don't live in California or Florida. You know, it's warm all the time. Um, sorry, I watched Home Alone 2. And that's where, you know, Kevin's family ends up. And they're all sitting in the hotel. You know, it's raining outside. And he's out there enjoying Christmas by himself. Um, but, you know, all of human history you know, passes through the hourglass. But yet we can hold to the Lord forever. Because he is the forever one. He is the everlasting. And he has spoken. Uh, so let us hear what the Lord has said and hold to what he says. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. I uh, thank you for this, uh, this week of Thanksgiving. That as we look into uh, to going into the Christmas season and, and just uh, seeing how... How beautiful the lights are in a dark time just reminds us of the true light that came and that as we come to uh, celebrate uh, 
the birth of your son, uh, the incarnation of Jesus uh, in the human flesh and, and coming to save uh, sinners, uh, that we can just uh, be ever so thankful that you didn't leave us in our broken estate. You didn't tell us to, to jump higher or to try harder, but to trust, to not, to not run or, or wrestle you, God, but to trust in you and to place our hope in you. For Christ alone is the Savior. And uh, just pray in this time that uh, we wouldn't be distracted by the amazing smells from downstairs or other worries of life, Lord, about that we would be able to just uh, fix upon you and your word and see what you have, have said, that we can uh, be equipped uh, to serve you, to be encouraged as our hearts are hurting and broken, and that uh, we can just rest upon you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me uh, to Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, and we'll be in verses uh, 2 through 5 today. <laughs> well, the prophet of the Lord writes this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. For it seems slow. Wait for it. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It, will, it is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor. An arrogant man who is never at rest, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never, he has never, <laughs> excuse me, can't read good today. Um, like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself whole nations and collects as his own old peoples. So after Habakkuk's uh, ponderings and praises and, and really good questions in the last verses that we saw last week, um, the Lord answers the prophet again. And instead of the Lord turning him to, to look at what is going on the, in the world, which he had done, the Lord instead tells him to write it down. Write down what you are seeing, that he would plainly write it on tablets. The Lord wants all to read it, to know it. Uh, the prophet Isaiah was actually told this in his book as well. Uh, the Lord says this, and now go write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for a time to come as a witness forever. And the apostle John was also told this as well in the book of Revelation Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. See, the Lord's word is recorded 
so that we would have a witness forever. I, I really like that verse. I was like, that's, that's cool. The Lord has spoken. His word has been fulfilled, right? What is, what is happening? He says that. And then what will be fulfilled? What, what will take place? Those, those are generally called prophecies, right? We, we label them as, as future things. Habakkuk was told that this is coming, right? The Chaldeans, the Babylonians were coming, and Judea and Jerusalem would have to deal with that, that they would be destroyed, that time has been appointed, exile was to come. It would come to its end, and it's not a lie, right? We see that in the time of Habakkuk, uh, Jeremiah, who is a contemporary of Habakkuk, is actually dealing with an issue in Israel, and he's dealing with lying prophets, prophets of peace. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Jeremiah uh, chapter 23. And it's uh, verses 16 through 19 in Jeremiah 23. The prophet of the Lord says this. This says the Lord of hosts. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come to you. All right, isn't that nice, right? You know, it's a good heartfelt message. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Keep on going. Just watch out for that cliff down there. But <laughs> For among them... For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear his word? That's amazing, right? His prophets have seen things. Prophets of the Lord have, have stood in his counsel and have seen his word. They have done this. Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Right? And, you know, like, well, Jonah didn't listen right at first, but he learned to. Nahum listened and Habakkuk have listened. Jeremiah has listened, but these lying prophets that is saying that it's all well, all is, all is well, have not listened. And then the Lord says this at the end of Jeremiah, uh, verse 19, Jeremiah 23, verse 19, behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It's an old word for storm. It will burst upon your head. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. So we see this. You know, there's deceivers in the land telling lies. They told Jerusalem and Judea, no disaster will come. But they are not prophets of the Lord. They have not heard or seen his, his word. Habakkuk was told, if the end seems slow to come, just know it's coming. Right? That's what Peter says in his book, right? There will be mockers and scoffers saying, eh, surely it won't happen. It's going to happen, right? That's what Peter says as well. The end will come. Judgment will happen. The Lord will deal with the wicked. 
The proud are puffed up. Their soul is not upright within them. For they are about their own minds and their own mouths. But the righteous shall live by faith. Warren Wearsby tells us this. The prophet's statement, the just shall live by faith, Habakkuk 2.4, is quoted three times. Did you know that? It's quoted three times in the New Testament. Once in Romans 1.17, another time in Galatians 3.11, and then in Hebrews 10.38. The emphasis on Romans is that the just, this is what the just will live by. Galatians shows how they should live. How do, we, how do we live in this faith? And then in Hebrews, there's a book on faith of how do we live that out? How do we go forward? It takes three books to explain one verse of Habakkuk. I love that. Or Rusby is a good, he's like, yeah, it takes a while for unpacking that one thing. You know, the Lord goes on saying that the proud are, are puffed up, but yet those that are in faith are resting in the Lord. See, here the, the Lord is asking, or sorry, not asking, answering Habakkuk's questions from chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. What about this man? What about this one in power? What about this one that has all these tools of empire that we looked at? Well, he says this. He says wine, or the Hebrew word might mean wealth, is a traitor. You know, and, and you might not have wine unless you have wealth, right? You, you have all of these means of living. Either way we read it, it tells us the truth that either will not give us what, what we want or what the one in power thinks he is gaining. For the arrogant will be like Sheol. They will never be filled up. The powerful will never find rest and they will never have enough to fill themselves. It made me think about what Jesus says in Mark. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? See, the stuff around us will all be burned with fire. The whole world will pass away but we're immortal. Our souls will go to one of two places, to dwell with the Almighty or to dwell in everlasting contempt. And to quote C.S. Lewis here, and I love this, this is from the, the Weight of Glory. If you've never read that book, I highly suggest it. All of Lewis is good, so read it all. Read the Bible. Read yeah. There's other books that are good too. But he says this, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals to whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Now, so much of our world doesn't want to listen to authority, right? Who, who likes authority? Who likes being in authority? No? Nobody's raising hands today. Come on. Uh, no, not answering. No polling today, Pastor. Now, if you look at the world, 
I get on Twitter for five seconds. Who likes getting on Twitter? Anybody? Am I the only person that enjoys that? Just kind of sit, whoa, get off. Yeah, my life's good. Praise God. I'm thankful. <laughs> but we want, to, we want to be the authority, right? You know, our culture really does embody the time period described in the book of Judges. It says this, in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes, right? In our age, kind of like calling it hyper-individualism. We do what is right in our own eyes. We are gods. We are, we are kings, and we make our own law. And Paul tells us the same thing, tells Timothy the same thing. He says this in 2 Timothy. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You can find that pretty easily on Twitter if you, if you want to look. <laughs> you know, people don't want to hear the truth, right? So they, they gather for themselves teachers to itch their ears. I mean, that's, that's the podcast verse right there. Or the TV specials or, or whatever. They will run anywhere to find what suits them. They will run into myths and they will seek anything but truth well Paul had already told Timothy where to stand he had told the church where to stand he said this all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work just as Habakkuk is, is told it to, told to write it down well, we're told we have the truth. We know the Lord has spoken. We know his true light has come, that Jesus has come, and we heed his word. Because this book is not some book on the shelf just along with all the other classics. No, it is the breathed-out word of God. And it is a witness forever to who the Lord is to what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do. I love the word profitable. Who likes making profit? You can raise your hands. Yeah, money, right? <laughs> but, but who likes you know, having a profitable life? Something worthy. Well, well, scripture is profitable for it teaches us. It tells us of, of God. It tells us of creation, of our, of our fall of the promised one to come and redeem us. It tells us of a, of a judgment to come, of wrath to come, but it also tells us of a king and a kingdom. See, it is special revelation telling us specific things we need to know in order to know that we are sinners in need of a savior, and his name is Jesus. So we trust in him. Scripture then does this. It, it reproofs us. It corrects us. It's like a friend telling us, you're wrong here. <laughs> you need to change. Here's how you do it. It's not, it's not one of those friends saying, hey, this was horrible, man, and then they just walk off. No, they actually show you, hey, this is how you fish well. This is how you, you know, hunt or, or build a fence you know, or flip a burger. You know, this is how you do it. It tells us what we need. 
how to live rightly by first trusting in the righteous one and then seeking his will and way. And then finally, scripture is here to train us to know this, that we can be an instrument of righteousness, that we would serve the Lord here and now. For as Ephesians tells us, we are his workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, that we wouldn't seek to be like the culture around us, but that we would seek to serve the Lord through our days. But the truth is, is culture very easily influences the church time and time again. So we always have to be aware of the dangers. We always have to know what we believe, and we need to be aware there are those who, who mislead for their own gain and glory. Now let's turn in our Bibles together to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 21. Peter says this, <clears throat> For we did not follow clearly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. And we were with him on the holy mountain. We, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. To which you would do well to pay attention to as a dark, as a, sorry, as a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day draws near and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For prophecy, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Oh, but we live in a time of myths. In a time of new revelations. In a time that... Miracles are sought out like candy on Halloween. We are looking for God to speak to us when all we have to do is open up our Bibles and read in context what God has breathed out. We live in a culture that seeks new age chakras and gurus that are nowhere near the truth. Because Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There are no other ways because God says so. So why do we seek another way to the Father when the Son clearly states, I'm it? I think just like what Paul describes, well, the culture plugs our ears and, and you know, we, we run away from the truth and live in our lies. See, we don't need a, a new word from God. We don't need to go off the map. 
And what we need is a clear, historical, grammatical reading of Scripture in its context to understand what the apostles have witnessed. Well, not what, who the apostles have witnessed, right? Of who he was, is, and forever will be the true one. And then Peter does this. He points to the word because the word is true. And Jesus prayed this in the Gospel of John. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. See the account that Peter says here is, we're not trying to follow some myth, not some story, but have made known the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. And they were eyewitnesses. See, the moment that Peter is describing here is the transfiguration of Christ. And Peter says this moment didn't confirm their feelings, didn't confirm their passions or their myths. No, he says that we have had the prophetic word more fully confirmed. He points to the word. And he tells us like the psalmist states, the psalmist that he's actually quoting. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is our light. That we need to be aware of false words and false wonders. Because Peter ends it like this. For no prophecy has ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So let us not seek those, those prophets of peace, right? Those feel-good feel prophets. We call it self-help now, right? That's, but they have never stood in the counsel of the Lord, but have produced things by their own will. Let us recognize that Scripture alone is the lamp and the light because it points to the true light. It reveals the true light. And let us not go off the path. And finally, you know, Habakkuk, Habakkuk knows this. God will deal with the wicked. And we know this as well. And we can be thankful that the just judge will come. And he knows the hearts and minds of humanity. And he has the power to carry out judgment and to bring justice to bear. Habakkuk was told to write down what he sees. So it can be known. It can be known to all. It can be seen by all. And they can see this, that the liars will see that their prophecies have come to fail. It's a great thing to have a standard, right? To know, hey, this is poisonous water, and this is good water. This is good prophecy, this is, this is bad prophecy. To have the standard of truth before us is a great blessing, and is something we can be ever so thankful for. God writes it down. He tells people to write it down. That it will not fade. It will last forever. It will be a witness to the Lord Almighty. To his promises. To his sovereignty. To his glory. So we can hold to the Lord's standard and know what is false. Because the Lord has spoken. And we only need this truth. Because it leads us into all truth. And whatever the Bible t touches on, whatever it, wh whether, whether it be science, history, 
where the spiritual needs of humanity is true. And we truly see just as one Bible commentator says about Habakkuk, says this so-called minor prophet, right? We call him minor because it deals with Israel's issues. The major prophets deal with worldwide issues. Even though some of these little minor prophets deal with a lot of nations and other things, but mostly talk about Israel's issues. The so-called minor prophet has had a major influence on those who followed him. Just by chapter 2, verse 4, we see all of Paul's theology, and then we see all of Martin Luther's theology, and then we see the whole Protestant Reformation take place. How cool is that? Just one little verse. Turn the world upside down. Romans states this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The Lord proclaims this, the righteous, the truly righteous will rest in the Lord. Not in their works, not in their boasts, unless they boast in their weaknesses like Paul does. Then Paul goes on in Galatians and states this, Now this is evident, that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. See, the law tells us we are unable to save ourselves. As we have already seen in our study of Habakkuk, it is the necessary bad news we need to tell us we need to do this. We need to understand it is by faith, by placing our faith upon the finished work of Christ upon the cross that we are able to dwell with the Father forever and be righteous in his sight. And then the author of Hebrews states this, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, the righteous live by faith, that we would cling to Jesus and that we would have the word of Christ dwell richly within us. And that we would see this, that we would see what God has done, what he has said, and that we would hold to the standard and be thankful for the lamp that lights our path. Well, let's close on a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for Habakkuk 2, verse 4. I just turned the world upside down. That even in this dark period of history, as the prophet is crying out, uh, the Babylonians are coming, that destruction and exile are coming, and that the righteous are surrounded and things look hopeless, that we don't wrestle or run from you, God. We, we place our trust and hope in you no matter what the circumstances are. And dealing with all the anxieties of life, all the ups and downs of life, we don't have to be anxious, but in everything we can in prayer, cast it to you, the one who cares for us. Lord, thank you for the standard that we can know what sound doctrine is. We can know what the faith is. And we can look at other things and say, that's, that's not it. This is it. And we can call people to repentance and faith in Christ. 
that we can we can know beyond a shadow of doubt that Christ has risen. Hallelujah. And we can rest in the finished work upon the cross. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for everyone here today. Lord, I pray that as we go about our weeks that you would bless us, encourage us, and equip us to walk with you, uh, to read your word, to be about praying about the little things and the big things, and to cast our cares upon you who care for us and help each other bear one another's burdens. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.